Good morning, church. It's good to see you and be with you as we continue through the Gospel of Luke. As we walk through, uh, as we walk through this uh, amazing story and this eyewitness account of Jesus and his life and what he came and what he did, and we get to uh, a, a, a really pivotal and powerful, I think, uh, passage in in classic passage in this gospel. Uh, for, for Father's Day a couple weeks ago, uh, my dad and my grandpa and I went to see, uh, see a movie, we, and we saw Top Gun, the new Top Gun, uh, which was an awesome movie. It was great. Uh, I don't see many movies that I think, man, that's like a, I think that's a, that will be a classic. Uh, it seems like this is one that will be. Um, and and uh, you guys who are movie critics, though, can come correct me afterward. I, that's, that's fine. I'm fine with that. Uh, but you know this. This, this uh, it was it was a great movie. You know, glued to your your seat, just riveted the whole time. Really exciting. And I got to thinking about why are uh, why are movies uh, like this really interesting to us? Why are they exciting? Why do they hold our attention? Movies about. Uh, you know, fighter pilots, movies about Marines, movies about the Navy SEALs, like these, uh, these war stories. Why are they so engaging to us? And, and I think part of it, there's probably a lot of reasons, but I think part of it is, the, is what a soldier has to give up. Right, a soldier has to has to commit. It's a total commitment. Right, you you give up your life, you give up everything, uh, your freedom, you, and you're committed to the cause. Um, and and then and then there's there's a mission. You know, there's this impossibly dangerous, you know, impossibly dangerous flight that these these the best pilots in the world have to have to accomplish in order to. Uh, to you know to safeguard their country. It's like this total commitment, and the stakes could not be higher. And then we find that engaging. We find that exciting. And I think today uh, we're going to see that in following Jesus and being his disciple, uh, he also requires total commitment and the stakes couldn't be higher. Today we'll see, uh, we'll, we'll kind of see three things as we walk through this passage. First is answering the question. Second, learning the pattern. And third, following the path. Let's pray and, and we'll jump in. Father, thank you um, for, for already meeting us here today. Um, thank you that we've, uh, we've been able to worship you. We've been able to confess our sins and come to you. And we want to continue to give ourselves to you, Lord. If there's um, whatever's keeping us, whatever's keeping each of us uh, from opening our hearts to you, from confessing our sins, from calling out for your help, from drawing near to the Lord, uh, I just ask that that you would break those barriers down, you would, you would reveal those things, and that we would truly be willing to hear your word. Um, Holy Spirit, would you speak to us? No one wants to hear my words, um, but Lord, but if, if you would speak, if you would, would speak to our hearts, uh, then you, you would change our lives, and that's what we need. We need you. And so would you please come? Would you please help us to understand? Um, and would you help us to submit to you right now? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. First, answering the question. The whole gospel, the whole gospel of Luke has been building, I think, to this moment, to this point. Uh, no human being yet has, has identified Jesus correctly. The demons have, right? The demons know who he is, but, but human beings haven't. And, uh, and Jesus hasn't been pushing it. He's been revealing himself, right? He's been doing miracles. He's been teaching. And we've seen the Pharisees, the scribes, they, they, they see him forgiving sins. And they say, who, who does this guy think he is? He can forgive sins. 
We see the disciples even a couple weeks ago when Jesus calms the, the storm, right? The wind and the waves. He says, be still, saves their lives. And they say in, in great fear, who, who then is this man? Even the wind and the, and the seas obey him. And it says here that they are, uh, they're praying, they're, they're in private, they're, they're not with the crowds, just he and his disciples. And he asked them a question. And it's a general question. He says, who do the crowds say that I am? And they're, they're always around crowds these days, you know? They're, Jesus is very famous. He has a very popular ministry. He's healing and, and uh, casting out demons. So everyone's coming and flocking to him wherever he goes. And so they're always with the crowds and they're always hearing what people say about Jesus. And so he asked them, well, who do they, who are they, what are they saying? And they say, well, some John the Baptist who's been beheaded, who's, who's dead. Others, Elijah, another old prophet, Still others, one of the ancient prophets that has come back. It's interesting, isn't it, that all the options are previously dead people who are reincarnated, who are back. It's like, Jesus' ministry is so amazing, it must be one of the old prophets come back from the dead. Uh, how else would you explain that? It's pretty incredible. Uh, but, but there's a lot of answers. And I think there's a lot of answers in our world, too, to that question. What, if, what do people say about Jesus? Who do people think Jesus is? There's a lot of answers. Some say he's a prophet, some say he's just a good teacher. Some say he, he's a liar, right? He's the wizard, he didn't speak the truth. Some say he's a myth. We don't really know even who he was. But Jesus doesn't, doesn't end the question there. He doesn't let the question end there. Instead, he asks a, a targeted question. He starts with a general and he goes to target. He says, but you, who do you say that I am? This is the most important question that any of us can ever answer. Who do you say Jesus is? Peter answers, you are God's Messiah. You are the, the anointed king of Israel. You're the, the chosen one. You're the answer. You're, you're the one sent from God to deliver your people. Now, he doesn't know all of that means, as we're about to see. He, he doesn't understand fully Jesus' divinity, probably, even at this point. But he still gets it exactly right. God's Messiah, the chosen one, the one who came to save. And this is the first step in, in apprenticeship to Jesus. This is the first step in discipleship to Jesus, is answering this question. And I think Jesus wants to make it personal today for you, for you in, in, in your seat. All right, not, not who does the church say that, who does this church say Jesus is? Who does this church say? Who does this religion say Jesus is? Who do, you, who do your parents think say Jesus is? Who do your friends say Jesus is? No, no, no. I think he wants to make it specific for you in your chair. Who do you say that I am? Second, learning the pattern. Learning the pattern. Uh, verse 21, he says, he strictly warned and instructed them to tell this to no one, which is, you know, interesting because after his resurrection, right, and we see in the book of Acts, Jesus says, go out and tell everyone. Right there, he says, this is gonna switch. But right now he says, hey, don't, don't tell this to anyone. You're right, but don't tell this to anyone. And, and we see the reason why. 
in what he says next, because the disciples had misconceptions about who the Messiah is and who the Messiah would be. They, they expected a, a political deliverer. They, the, the Israelites were under the boot of Rome, right? They were oppressed people. Um, and, and so they expected the Messiah to come and to gain popularity and be accepted among his people and to rise to prominence, rise to power, and then to, to form an army and to defeat the Romans and to establish the kingdom in Israel again, right? They, they expected him to, to establish the kingdom forever. Israel would, would, the kingdom would last throughout generations. This is what the Messiah was gonna come and do. And this is what they thought he was gonna come and do. But Jesus has to correct them. And he says, don't, don't tell anyone this because you don't understand yet what the Messiah actually is going to do. He, he said in verse 22, it's necessary that the Son of Man, that's him, he's talking about himself, the Son of Man suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, chief priests and scribes, be killed and be raised the third day. They thought he would be accepted and welcomed in. And Jesus says, no, 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 I'm gonna be rejected. They thought he would be exalted and lifted up and put in power. He says, no, I'm gonna be killed. I'm gonna die. And then I'm gonna be raised. Rejected, killed, raised. This is the pattern this is the pattern, uh, Francis Schaeffer said, this is the pattern of true spirituality. This is, the, this is the only pattern that we have. It's a cruciform pattern to be rejected, killed, and raised. And I think we can have assumptions uh, about Jesus uh, and what, what, he come, has, what he's come to do in our world, what he plans to do in our world. Or we, we can have assumptions about Jesus solving our political problems here and now. He's going to give us a ruler who will, be, who will rule justly. He's going to work through the Supreme Court and do that. He's going to give us Congress. The Congress is going to pass this and it's going to be, and then we will, we will be a Christian nation, heaven on earth, right? Jesus, though, never promises to solve our political problems here and now. Jesus did not come to make America great again. He did not come to build back better. Right? Our, our hope is not in this political order at all. It's in a new order, right? An order that's coming, the kingdom of God that's coming to earth when he comes in his glory. And anytime we put our hope here, right, and we have assumptions about what Jesus is gonna do and how he's gonna, how he's gonna do it through our political system and blah, 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 right? Anytime we have, it just gets wonky so fast. Because he hasn't promised that. Our hope is that the king is coming. Our hope is that he will make all things new. And, and the pattern, right, his pattern is, is the cross. It's to be rejected, to be killed, and then to be raised. And as we'll see, that's our pattern as well. That's our pattern as well, um, as we learn to follow the path, following the path. Verse 23 says, then he said to, to them all, if anyone wants to come after me, wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. 
Jesus is, is calling for a daily death. Deny yourself. Say no to your desires. Take up your cross, he says, daily. Take up his cross, day of the cross, right? He's not talking about putting on your cross necklace, you know, like we do. Uh, he, this, the cross was repulsive. It was an instrument of death. Right? It's like saying, you know, grab your, your serum, you know, your lethal injection serum every day. Pick it up, take it with you. Ooh. That's what it would have felt like to them. A daily death. And, and we can't, we have to be careful, I think, not to romanticize or explain away Jesus' words here. Not to soften what he's saying. If, if we read this, we go, yeah, awesome, follow Jesus, yeah. I mean, right? if we, then I don't think we're, we're hearing him. I don't think we're hearing him. Because Jesus' call to die to ourselves, to deny ourselves, is against the very fundamental assumptions that we hold as people, as a culture. For instance, take money. Take money. Right, we, we, we see, man, my money belongs to me. I earned it. It's my money. It's my bank account. It's my personal property, my assets, my possessions. And I can use them as I would like. What does God say about money? He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves don't break in and steal. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, be generous and ready to share. He says, he says uh, don't turn your eyes away from the poor. Like, help people. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Seek to show hospitality. The Bible paints the picture, right, and shows us that our money is actually not our own. Your money doesn't belong to you. You are a steward of God's resources for the time that he's given them to you. So how do you need to deny yourself Say no to what you want to buy, what you want to do, and follow Jesus. Your body is another one, right? Our bodies. We think, oh, my body is mine. It belongs to me. I can be whoever I want to be. I can be with whoever I want to be with. I can, I can make decisions about my body, what I do. Right? That's, that's no one else's decision but mine. What does God say about our bodies? He says, we were fearfully and wonderfully made that God knit us together in our mother's womb. It says we were, uh, 1 Corinthians 6, you are, Christian, you are not your own for you were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. Right? It says, hey, sexuality, the proper context for sexuality is within a marriage between one man and one woman. Anything outside of that is off, is off limits. Right? Our bodies actually, actually are not our own. 
Right? What does Paul say in Romans 6? Present your bodies, just as you presented your bodies as instruments of sin, present your bodies as instruments of righteousness, as weapons of righteousness to be used by God. Your body is not your own, but it's to be used to glorify God. What about our speech? Right, free speech. It's constitutional. I can express myself. I can say whatever I want to say, whenever I want to say it. It's a fundamental right. What does Jesus say about our speech? What does the Bible say? It says, don't lie, which is hard if you ever really tried to do that. It says, tell the truth. It says uh, to, to um, let no, how about this one? Let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's good for building up as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Never say anything except what's encouraging and builds up another person. Don't gossip, don't slander, right? Like, like use your, be, always be kind. You're like, Lawson, well, that outrules a lot of speech that I would normally want to say. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like, you shouldn't tweet that. You shouldn't send that email. You shouldn't say that thing. Right? You should deny yourself and say no and take up your cross and follow Jesus. This is the call. What about our time? Our time. We love our autonomy, don't we? Man, we all work from home now, so we have all this, all this freedom schedule, you know, I can schedule whenever I want to do anything. We value that more than almost anything. What, what does God say about our time? How about this one? Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. The most mundane Activity, drinking a glass of water is to be done in a way that glorifies God. The, the New Testament writers uh, that most often describe themselves, if, at the beginning of all the epistles, it'll say, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, Peter, a servant of Christ Jesus, James, a servant of Christ Jesus. That word servant is actually the word slave. It's the word doulos in the Greek. They, 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 their self-perception, of, the fundamental self-perception of the apostles was, I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. What, what right do slaves have over their time, over their schedules? Paul calls Timothy a good soldier. is a good soldier of Christ Jesus. What, what right do soldiers have over their time and their schedules? None. Their commanding officer does, right? Our time is not our own but it's, it's a gift to be used, to be stewarded, to glorify and honor God. Our thoughts, what about our thoughts? You might think, well, if you can control everything except what I think. No one can control what I think. That's freedom. Well, what, what does God say about our thoughts? Philippians 4.8. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable, if there's anything, if there's any moral excellence, anything worthy of praise, what dwell on these things, think about these things. 
Colossians 3, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you've died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. Take every thought captive to Christ. Like, like we are called to, to think about certain things and not other things. You're like, God doesn't want me to think about certain, have certain thoughts? No. Right? No. And you're to deny yourself. You're to say, no, I will not think about that. I will dwell on what's true. I will dwell on what's lovely and what's commendable and what's faithful and not what's false and evil. Do you see the command of Jesus to take up your cross and deny yourself? It, it hits against every foundational assumption of our culture. And, and it feels like death. Because it is death. It's dying to ourselves. Dying to our wants. To our desires. To our plans. To our lives. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. This is the call. The command of Christ is one of total commitment. Total commitment. You can't do this half-heartedly. You can't just dabble in Christianity. No, no. Uh, you just like you can't sort of be a soldier. No, no. You got to go all in. It, it's a total commitment. And, and in the end, we find uh, we have not made a sacrifice at all, don't we? Right? It feels like death. It feels. But but you know what? There's there's a pattern: rejected, slain, and raised. We get life, right? That's what, that's what Jesus says. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me will save it. Jesus wants to save your life. He wants to give you his life. But the only way is through death. Jim Elliot said, he's no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And we're called to give up our lives to gain true life. Then Jesus gives some warnings to us. Warnings for, for those who, who won't do this, who won't sacrifice yourself, who won't give up your life and die daily. Verse 24, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. If you try to hold on to your life, if you try to control your time, control your money, control your energy, control your body, control your thoughts, like if you try to keep control of those things, you won't give them over, you won't die to yourself, then your life will one day be taken away from you. You'll lose it. Verse 25, for, for what does it benefit someone if he gains the whole world, yet loses or forfeits himself? Billionaires and celebrities, dictators, they, they all die like the rest of us. Right? All the worldly fame, all the riches, all the glory, all the power. What is it? What does it? What is it on your deathbed? It's nothing. It's dust. It crumbles to dust. And what do you have left? Yourself. Your soul, your life, that's all you have. That's all you can take with you. And Jesus is saying, what, you're going to trade your life for, for something else? 
Like for, for anything, for the whole world? You're gonna trade your, your very life? He knew this temptation. This was Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, right? The, the devil showed him all the king, kingdoms of, of the world and their glory. and said, if you will just worship me, I'll give you all of this. Jesus said, no. I'm gonna deny myself all of that and keep my life and worship God. I don't, don't trade your life for anything. I mean, what are the things, like we, we trade our lives for such petty things. Like, what are, like really, well, think about what we're doing. And you're gonna trade your very soul for a promotion? For a motorcycle? For, for a temporary, for an affair? For pornography or alcohol or drugs, like for a temporary pleasure, you're gonna trade your life? You're gonna give your life away for this thing that doesn't last, that can't satisfy? Jesus says, why would you do that? What's, what is the value? What does it benefit you to do that? Don't lose your soul. And you're like, Lawson, it seems like you're hitting these a little too hard. Just look at 26, though. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, Jesus says, for whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and the glory of his Father and of the holy angels. Your response to Jesus now, in this life, today, reveals how he will respond to you later on that day. That's what it says. If you're ashamed of Jesus and his words, then he'll be ashamed of you when he comes in his glory. I don't think that means he's gonna go like, I'll let him come in, but I just don't wanna look at him. No, no, no. I think he's saying that. This means I never knew you. Apart from me. And you might say, man, Lawson, why? life now, like our life here is so short, right? We, we are a mist, we are a vapor. Compared to eternity, compared to forever, our lives are, they're so tiny. And you're saying, what, what happens here and, and what I do here and, and who I become here and what I believe here, that determines all the rest of it. It just seems crazy. Like, why, why, why does it, we don't even know much and we're, we're so limited and, and we're, we're so deceived. Like, why, how does it work? Why does it work that way? And I would say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why God has structured the universe as he has. But, but please, please, don't push God away because you don't have all the answers. Right? Because to say to God, in order for me to believe in you, in order for me to trust you, to take this step, I have to understand 
everything. I have to have all my questions answered. What you're saying is, God, in order for me to follow you, I have to be God. You have to make me God. You have to give me your full knowledge of eternity and of personhood and of reality and of heaven and hell and judgment and mercy. I have to have your full knowledge in order for me to go along with it. You're saying, I I need to be God in order for me to follow you. And, And what a proud, proud, proud stance. Because listen, you're not God. I'm not God. We are creatures. We are limited. We know nothing. And you're like, science, technology, we're advancing. Like, yeah, but we don't still, like, what's at the bottom of the ocean? Oh, no one knows. Right, what, 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 how big is space? How does the human brain work? Explain consciousness to me. Explain perception to me. <laughs> like, we don't know anything. We've only scratched the surface. Like, we're limited. We're creatures, and we will never know everything. There's so much that we don't know. But what do we know? Right? We do know some things. What do, what do we know? We, we know that there was a man born 2,000 years ago in Israel he was, a, he was a real man. He was a baby. He cried and, and played with his friends. He grew up. He started teaching. He became a, a traveling teacher. And, and we read what he says here. He's teaching. He's doing miracles. He's healing. And then exactly what he said happened, happened. Right? He said, I will be, a son of man will suffer many things, be rejected, be, be killed, and raised from the dead. And that is exactly what happened. He was rejected by his people. He was arrested, he was put on trial, he was condemned to die, he was executed by the government, and then he rose from the dead. And he appeared to his disciples to, to, uh, over 40 days. He appeared to more, more than 500 people at one time. Right? They saw him, they, they spoke with him, they touched his scars, they ate fish with him. And then he ascended to heaven. And then he showed up a couple more times. Right? He, he, he showed up to Paul. Right on the, on the road to Damascus. He showed up to John on the island of Patmos. He, he's still alive. If he wanted to, he could show up here bodily. He could walk in. And he said, and we see in our passage, he said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, he said he would come back. And so just as your eyes see me right now physically, you will also see Jesus. You will see the Son of Man when he comes. And when he comes, he will raise everyone and he will judge the living and the dead. And we should think about that day. Isn't that what he's saying? When the Son of Man comes in his glory, that day gives us some perspective. And you you'd say, man, judgment. Oh, yes, sons, what's happening? Jesus, Jesus would never judge me. I, just be careful that you don't make a Jesus in your imagination. Because the real Jesus, the actual Jesus, talked a lot about judgment. He talked a lot about judgment. And do and you know what? That's grace. That's grace that he told us, isn't it? That he said, hey, listen. I'm going to come in my glory. And here's how you can avoid judgment. Here's how you can be reconciled to, the, to God. Here's how you can be forgiven of all your sins, of everything you've done. Trust me. 
Trust me, trust my death, my resurrection. Follow me, I'm the king. He's revealed this to us and it's such grace that he has. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, you can. He invites you. If you answer that question, who do you say that I am? And you say, I think he is the answer. I think he is the king. Yes, I'm in. And you can be saved today. You can begin walking with Jesus and following him. For Christians, for those of you who, who trust Jesus, who, who, that, that first question, you answer it and say, who do you say that I am? And you'd say, the Messiah. You'd be right there with Peter, the Messiah, the Son of God. The, you're the answer, right? You're the, you're the Savior of the world. I think the next question is, does your life match your confession? Does your life match your confession? Or, or do you really spend your money how you want to spend your money? And spend your time how you want to spend your time and say the things that you want to say and think the things you want to think? Does, does your life match your confession? And if not... The natural question is, well, then do you not believe the, the truth? Do you not believe that, that your confession, that Jesus is actually the king? Or, or maybe has that been a convenient thing for you to say as a mask for you living your life however you'd like to? Peter, when, he, uh, when, when Jesus is arrested later in the gospel, um, Peter, uh, the, the disciples all scatter and Peter's at a fi- around a campfire waiting for Jesus' trial and, and a little girl asks him uh, if he knows Jesus, if he's one of the disciples. Are you don't, weren't you one of the guys with him? And, and he curses, says, no, I don't know him. I never knew him. He's ashamed of Jesus and his words. I mean, after his resurrection, Jesus rises and he, and he calls Peter. Peter's gone back to fishing. He calls him back and he says, Peter, do you love me? Right, and, and Peter had denied Jesus three times and he asked him three times, do you love me? And he says, feed my sheep. He restores Peter, right? The one who denied him, the one who was ashamed of him. So listen, if you're, if you're in here and you're like, I don't, I've, I've blown it. Listen, the grace of God is that he invites us. Why, like, why do you think you're here? Jesus is inviting you. I mean, this is the invitation to, to daily discipleship. Yeah, maybe yesterday was all about you, but listen, today doesn't have to be. Right? Discipleship uh, has to be, one commentary said, discipleship has to be daily renegotiated. <laughs> and I find that to be so true. Every day, right? Take up your cross daily. It's a, it's a waking up going, God, I don't want my, my own desires. I don't want my own thing. I, I give myself to you. I die. I surrender, right? That's the great thing about, one of the great things about the, the CBR, the Bible reading plan the church uses, right? One of the first things it tells you to do is surrender. Surrender to God. And that's always a hard thing, isn't it? It's always hard. But this is the call, and Jesus invites us to surrender. And maybe, maybe you need to repent. Maybe there needs to be a lot of, some deep repentance in your life. 
as, as God reveals to you what it is. I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's between you and him. But, but don't pull back. If, he, if he's pressing into you, if he's revealing himself to you, if you can't get it out of your head, like let, that's the Holy Spirit. Listen to him. And some, some might say, oh, listen, that's, this is legalism. You're saying I have to do that, I have to surrender, I have to die daily so that then, then I can get saved, right? Then I'll be saved in, in the end. You're saying I can, by my works, earn my salvation. <laughs> no, I'm not, right? Not at all, right? Like, like we could ever be good enough for God. Come on, even if, we, even if we started right now and we could be perfect from here on out, you know what? Our record is too black, isn't it? We're too compromised. Not that we can, but we're too compromised by sin. We can never make it up to him. Right? It's all by grace. He had to come because we can't. He had to come and die. That's why he came and gave his life as a sacrifice for us. He died in our place. We should have died for our sin, but he died for us. He took the punishment. And then he rose from the dead in victory and he sent his spirit. And so it's all grace. Without him, without what he did, we could never have any chance of dying to ourselves. We could never have any chance of living for God. We could never have any chance of bearing any fruit that means anything at all. It's all of grace, right? It's all from him, through him, and to him. It's a gift. This is not legalism. It's apprenticeship to Jesus. It's following in his steps. It's learning, as Dallas Willard would say, it's learning to live our lives as he would if he were in our shoes, And that's to die daily. And so will you live your life as an apprentice to the king? Will you, will you die daily? Will you give up your life to find life? Or will you try to hold on to your life only to have it ripped away from you in the end? This, this is our great adventure this is the call of Christ, the call of total commitment. And for you and for everyone around you, the stakes could not be any higher because he is coming in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Let's pray. Father, we Thank you that you are so kind to us. That you don't let us sit in our sin. You don't let us stew in our rebellion. But you have told us the truth. And you've warned us. You've encouraged us. You've taught us. Father, it's so hard for us to die to ourselves. It's so hard for us to trust you that much. And so we need your help. Please, Holy Spirit, do not let us stay in the status quo of our culture of using all of our resources and all of our time and all of our energy for ourselves, for our pleasure,
where you're, where you're pressing on people, um, would, would, would we be open? Would we have open hearts to you? Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your kindness for inviting us in today and inviting us again to follow you. We need you. We love you. We ask all of this in the powerful and precious name of Christ. Amen.